of Comcast. I'm joined today by my colleagues Julia von Eitzen and Natalie Jukes, also from Hausfeld, and we have a guest speaker, Iona McCall, joining us from Alex Partners. So today we're going to talk about Pass On, which is one of the most hotly debated competition litigation topics of 2023, following the seminal Royal Mail judgment from February this year, um, which has sparked really several debates. First of all, the distinction between the legal and economic concepts of Pass On. Secondly, the philosophical debates on where to draw the line between avoiding double recovery and the principles of effectiveness. And third, policy debates, as depending where they land on that philosophical debate, different countries have taken very different policy decisions, which in turn make their jurisdiction more or less attractive for prospective claimants. But before we dive into those debates, uh, Natalie is going to remind us what the current test for pass on is, as set down in Royal Mail versus DAF. Thanks, Tom. As to what has come before, the tribunal recalled that the legal principles in relation to pass on have been reviewed and explained by the Supreme Court in Sainsbury's, the Court of Appeal in Stellantis, and also within its own judgment in the Royal Mail BT case. The tribunal confirmed that defendants must prove direct and proximate causative link, meaning that there must be something more than just a reliance on the usual planning and budgetary process into which the overcharge was input and at some point prices increased. The tribunal confirmed that there are at least four non-exhaustive factors which are relevant to determining whether there was a sufficiently close causal link between the overcharge and the claimant's prices to customers. Taking those four points in turn, the claimant's knowledge of the overcharge or the specific cost increase caused by the infringement is a first non-exhaustive factor. The second is the relative size of the overcharge against the claimant's overall cost and revenue. The third is the relationship or association between the product on which the overcharge is incurred and the product that the claimants sell to their customers. Finally, it is also relevant whether there are identifiable claims by identifiable purchasers from the claimants in respect of losses caused by the overcharge. Although the, the tribunal was unanimous in its views on the legal test and the relevant factors, they were split in their views on how those factors applied in this case. Regarding the outcomes of this case, the decision appears to be good for direct purchaser and cartel claims. The starting position now is that cost recovery is not sufficient to establish the causal link, and the defendants will be put to the test to establish the direct approximate link. As cartels are by their very essence secret, the first limb of knowledge, uh, the first limb which is the knowledge, uh, will apply in almost every case. Finally, in his dissenting opinion, Mr Ridyard did not consider it appropriate to reduce the amount of damages as it would offend the principle of effectiveness in EU law. And this is since downstream claims by Romel and BT's customers would be excessively difficult or impossible going to the fourth limb. Thanks, Natalie. And uh, many listeners will be aware that the tribunal has granted DAF permission to appeal in relation to supply pass on. Uh, how significant do you think that is? You're correct. An appeal hearing has been fixed for mid-December, so we can expect to receive further clarification on the pass-on test soon. It's significant in the sense that although the tribunal has stated that it does not consider that DAF has a real prospect of successfully overturning the tribunal's rejection of its pass-on defence, it did recognise that the outstanding questions on the rules pertaining to the pass-on defence are important issues in the development of competition law damages jurisprudence. 
This was, of course, the first time that there has been a trial at which the practical effect of the Supreme Court's judgment in Sainsbury's has been determined. The tribunal clarified that while there was consideration of Sainsbury's by the Court of Appeal in Stellantis, this was not based on a full evaluation of the evidence and was on a different type of supply pass on, although the Supreme Court, of course, had treated them in the same way. The tribunal therefore considered that there is a, another compelling reason for the appeal, as it is likely to have an impact, as we can all appreciate, on many other competition cases where supply pass on is raised as an issue. The mere fact that the tribunal was divided as to the relative importance of certain factors means that it is indeed sensible for this to be looked at by the Court of Appeal to determine which approach is the correct one. Thanks, Natalie. Uh, and Iona, how does this legal test sit with the way economists think about pass one? Thanks, Tom. Yeah, I think, first of all, it's worth clarifying what we mean by pass on or supply pass on, as it was called in the Royal Mail BT judgment. So pass on is where a company changes its prices to its customers as a result of an increase in its production costs. So when we think about pass on conceptually as economists, we generally consider four main um, factors. So we think about the nature of the cost effective. So variable cost versus fixed cost. We think about the nature and intensity of competition in the market, um, the extent to which the firms were affected by the overcharge. So whether it was a, a market wide or firm specific uh, cost shock and also the sensitivity of the downstream customers to price changes, because that will influence the extent to which any pass on will impact on the sales downstream. So that gives us a sort of a starting point, if you like, about thinking about the, the likelihood of pass on. But general economic models and, and, and theory tends to rely on simplifying assumptions regarding things like the ability of firms to accurately measure their marginal costs. So to assess pass on, we also need to understand how the company records and monitors their costs, whether and indeed how they feed into businesses' pricing strategies and how the business sets prices. So if we come back to the legal test, thinking about the legal test, I mean, the first question about of knowledge, that's from an economics perspective, that's just not required for pass on to occur. So knowledge of a cost increase is in the sense that you need to know that your costs have changed, but not knowledge of an overcharge specifically. Um, on the second point that, that Natty explained, there's the second legal test, which considers the size of the overcharge in relation to the claimant's costs and revenue. I mean, the rationale for this seems to be that there's an assumption that if the overcharge is relatively small, it's less likely to be captured and therefore to be passed on. Um, I guess the question is whether that is a reasonable assumption to make. Um, Ridgard, in his dissenting opinion in the, in the Royal Mail BT judgment, was very clear that, you know, from an economics perspective, even a small overcharge can be captured and passed on. It's it's not the size per se that's determinative of the pass on. It's it's whether or not it's actually captured in the company's costs and um, is is therefore, uh, you know, features in the pricing strategy. Um, and that was actually the, the key source of the disagreement in that case. So Ridgard obviously disagreed with the rest of the panel that the cost of trucks would not be captured by BT and Royal Mail. Now, this case obviously has some quite specific set of facts because notably Royal Mail and BT were regulated for much of the infringement period. And the regulators used detailed bottom up cost modelling as the basis for determining the revenue cap. So that's quite a specific set of facts where the costs of the trucks were 
uh, sort of built in at a very granular level into the way in which the the prices and the certainly the revenue cap was set. Um, the third element of the legal test, I think, really speaks to this question of transmission mechanism from the cost to the price of the downstream product. So, again, that this question is of proximity is is a whether it's a good proxy for this transmission mechanism. So that's, I think, really a, a factual question as to how the company makes pricing decisions um, rather than necessarily, which may be, you know, um, suitably uh, proxied by saying, well, if it's very distant, then it's unlikely to. But I think it really does come back to understanding factually how the company thinks about costs and how that feeds into the pricing strategy. So I don't think that there's necessarily a tension between the legal tests and how we think about partners as economists. I think it's more that the the tests identify some of the relevant factors that might influence pass on. Um, they may be certainly oversimplistic in certain ways. Again, it's this question about how appropriate the the, the legal test is as a proxy. Um, and it's certainly not exhaustive of the factors that do affect pass on. Um, but ultimately, I think this will be very case specific and very specific to the facts of the case as to how appropriate these this legal test is. Um, yeah. Yeah. And coming back to this hotly debated topic of size, and as Natalie said, you know, in many cases, the size of the um, overcharge will be very small relative to, to relevant products. Um, and I mean, does this mean that the econometric analysis that we've often seen historically for pass on um, are now dead in the water? Uh, or do you think they can still assist judges when assessing if the legal pass on test is met? Yeah, so um, my, my very quick answer is I don't think it's dead in the water. <laughs> I'll explain why. I think that there's three main econometric approaches really for assessing pass on. So you can use a similar style of comparator approach that we use for overcharge assessment. Um, you could use uh, you could assess profit margins again in a similar way using that sort of comparator based approach where you, you know, Think, look at margins or, or prices during the affected period and compare them to the, the um, uh, an unaffected period. Alternatively, you could adopt an econometric analysis that you use to estimate the pass on rates. So that's the rate at which cost changes are passed on to prices. Um, in all of these, it's really critical that the supply and demand conditions in the downstream market are taken account of properly to ensure that you can actually isolate the impact of the overcharge itself. Um, now, to this point about where the affected cost and the overcharge are small, yeah, econometric analysis may be more difficult and actually pass on may, may not be, in, in Ridjard's words, easily identifiable. Um, there are alternative things that one could do in that situation. So some people talk about the, the potential to uh, conduct a general assessment of the pass on rates, so maybe using an aggregated cost measure. I think there are some questions there as to how uh, reasonable that is and how much you can infer from that necessarily because you need to ensure that it does reflect the uh, pass on rate in the cost in question. So for example a smaller cost change may be passed on less frequently than larger cost changes where there are costs to changing prices so we call them menu costs. So if you use some sort of aggregated cost measure that may not actually be a, a very good um, estimate of what the pass on rate might be for a smaller cost change. There could also be differences in the pass on rate between firm specific and market wide costs. So I think there are certain things you could do, but but again, you need to be careful about that. I mean, ultimately, the most appropriate type of analysis is going to depend on the facts of the case. And 
um, as I said, I don't think that econometric analysis is dead in the water, but certainly in contexts where it might be more challenging or certainly there'll be limitations of such analysis. I don't think it means you don't necessarily do it, but those limitations need to be acknowledged and considered that, you know, the analysis and the results considered as part of a broader evidence base, such as the fact of evidence regarding the potential of a pass on to have occurred and the forensic accounting analysis of how costs are captured and fused pricing strategies. So I think it all has to be taken as a whole in much the same way that we do with, with overcharge analysis. Great. Well, thanks, Diana, for those fascinating insights. Uh, and another important point that we, we often forget and we need to remember is that pass on uh, hasn't just been looked at, of course, by the English courts, um, but lots of other jurisdictions have had to grapple with this issue as well. And we're now going to turn uh, to the international perspective on this. And my colleague Julia is going to shed some light on how the UK, UK pass-on test compares with other jurisdictions, and in particular Germany, where there have similarly been some recent seminal judgments on this issue. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, that's uh, correct. There were two major judgments in relation to uh, pass-on, one in late 2020 and one in the beginning of 2021 by the German Federal Court of Justice, which is the highest court for uh, those matters. Um, one case was, one, excuse me, one judgment was rendered in uh, relation to the trucks cartel as well. The other one was uh, in the uh, railway tracks uh, cartel, which is a national, German national cartel. Um, the uh, German court, Federal Court of Justice, similar to uh, um, the judgment we're talking about now, um, was mainly debating the difference between the legal concept of damage and pass on and the economic concept. So this becomes uh, especially relevant where any effects of passing on to the downstream market are at best marginal and can be determined only at a great uh, expense. Um, here we have a risk of unreasonable relief for cartelists due to the lack of enforcement of possible damaged claims by customers at the downstream market level. So this is especially the case where such indirect purchasers of the cartelized product uh, are suffering from so-called scattered uh, damages or uh, atomized damages, which are very small individual uh, damages but nevertheless very large in, in their entirety, obviously. So the court said there is a balance to be struck. On the one hand, pass on should be a valid defense and available to defendants in principle, which is I think common ground in, in most of the jurisdictions. Um, so that defendants are not held accountable multiple times for the same damage. On the other hand, where applying the pass on defense would rather lead to a situation where the direct purchasers would be deprived of a significant incentive to file claims like that, um, given the high litigation and, and cost risks, and where there is a complete lack uh, of incentives for the indirect purchasers to raise claims against the cartel members. Uh, cartel members should not be allowed to escape uh, civil liability and, and retain the fruits of, of their cartel behavior, which is also an important aspect of, of public enforcement. Um, therefore, what the, the Federal Court of Justice said, uh, one of the key questions and the key criterion um, to assess that uh, is 
the likelihood of the claimant's customers asserting claims against the cartilages, um, which the court broke further down into, I would say, like four subtests. Um, one is the complexity of the claimant's pricing mechanisms uh, on the downstream market. So the more complex the pricing mechanism, the less likely it is for defendants to be able to raise the pass on defense. The second one is similar to the English uh, judgment we're discussing. Um, the costs of the cartelized goods in proportion to the price of the services or goods on the downstream market. Uh, again, the lower the ratio, the, the less likely it is that the defendants are able to, to raise the pass on defense. Um, thirdly, the extent to which the question of how much the cartel affected prices in the downstream market could not be answered without the aid of a very complex and ex extensive economic calculation, which is, as already mentioned, very costly. And uh, last, whether damages were spread out over a large number of potential downstream uh, customers. The greater the number of, of those customers, the greater uh, the probability of defendants being recluded from, from raising the pass on defense. And we're also seeing um, this test being in, implemented already on, on the lower uh, courts um, levels. Great. Thanks very much, Julia, for that summary. And clearly what we can see from that, there's a lot for the English courts to learn from the German courts assessment of, of a lot of these similar issues. I mean, in particular, I think the fourth factor that we saw in the Royal Mail judgment, um, you can see a lot of overlap there and the scattered damage pr principle, um, if this comes up again, which I'm sure it will in, in England, I'm sure there may be some closer analysis of that as well. Um, so, and just, I mean, on, whilst we're on the topic of, of other jurisdictions, it's also worth remembering that under US federal law, uh, it's been a very long-standing policy decision um, just to admit claims by, or pass on defences, um, or to, rather to deny pass on defences, um, to uh, to limit to for direct purchases only to be able to to bring claims. So no no indirect purchases can bring claims at all under US federal law, um, and that's often seen as anathema by economists, um, and it can lead to windfalls. And for example, uh, in the US egg cargo case is a good example where. For direct purchases there were freight forwarders um, who it was you know widely known that their business model was involving passing on of costs to shippers um, but they were direct purchases and so they were the ones who who were able to claim um, but i suppose the advantage is at least it, it's an easy rule to apply um, and it does avoid double recovery issues as well so you know it's not all bad for the defendants from that point of view um, so i mean just a couple of points to conclude um, one very interesting factor, which is sometimes overlooked, coming back to the, the Royal Mail judgment, is um, the way that it assessed some of the previous jurisprudence, and in particular, um, the Supreme Court judgment in Sainsbury's. Um, and what I found quite interesting was the fact that it, it managed to distinguish the factors that had been laid down in that judgment on the basis that they had been overturned, some of those those. Um, some of those findings on pass on and in a way that's carrying on a, a similar theme we saw in the Stellantis judgment of the Court of Appeal as well, um, which dealt with um, 
pass on in the sense of, of costs, mitigation of costs. Uh, and in that judgment, again, the Court of Appeal distinguished the, the Supreme Court case in Sainsbury's, again, looking at the question of um, the knowledge of the overcharge. So in, in those interchange cases, everyone accepted that um, the interchange cost was a cost that everyone knew about and that had to be dealt with in some way. Um, whereas, of course, in most of these cartel cases, or in every cartel case, pretty much, the overcharge is not a known um, factor. And so um, that, that factor is very significant. So I think that's probably all we've got time for today. Um, I suppose the final comment would just be to look ahead again to the appeal. We'll, we'll be watching that very closely uh, and very interested to see how the Court of Appeal will uh, respond, whether it will maintain the current test for pass on or um, make it harder for claimants or, or indeed lower the bar for claimants to bring these kinds of claims. So um, clearly there is a lot more clarity and stability needed um, for ongoing claims uh, and hopefully the Court of Appeal will achieve that. Um, but given the ghost of the Sainsbury's judgment, sadly we certainly can't rule out um, the possibility of a further trip to the Supreme Court on this issue as well. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening.